to Our Scars Speak. My name is Christina Miner. I am the host of this podcast. And before we begin, I want to make for sure I give a disclaimer as usual, which is we are not coming to tell anyone to change from their treatment plans. We're not coming here to give any type of medical or mental health advice um, for you to entertain <laughs> and utilize. We do not want you to go against your medical team. We are just here to share our story and to just share what we've gone through and some of the things that we are doing within the community. So tonight I have a guest on by the name of Tamika Baker. We met through social media somewhere um, and we have just, we've talked and I've watched her interviews and she's very informative and she has, she was diagnosed with triple negative breast cancer. And that was really, when I seen that, it really intrigued me. I'm like, mm, I want to definitely see what she has to talk about. So I'm so glad she took up the offer to come on our Scar Speak tonight. So thank you so much, Tamika. You're welcome. Thank you for inviting me. <laughs> you are very welcome. Very welcome. So um, before we get into a lot of things, you know, of course, I want to know who is Tamika. Now we know that there's the survivor that came and the thriver that came later as far as dealing with breast cancer. And I'm sure you wear multiple hats, but I just want you to take this time to tell the audience who you are, maybe some characteristics about yourself, something fun about yourself, but who is Tamika? Okay, well, my name is Tamika Baker. Um, I have labeled myself as Pink Breasty's sister, and I'm a 47-year-old woman that's a mother of three beautiful and lovely and courageous and strong <laughs> sons and I'm also the youngest of four um I'm originally from Atlanta Georgia I moved to Houston Texas to uh, pursue my career in the medical field after I mm. left the postal service after 17 years of service wow yes so, 17 um, years Yes, I literally wow. started out of high school um, working for the post office. And then I decided to go back to school because the goal was always to once work in the medical field. Mm -hmm. So um, Texas has a huge medical community and okay. Houston um, appealed to me with the, it's almost seemed like Atlanta a little bit. So that's okay. why I moved here and I'm now a certified medical coder for Baylor College of Medicine. Oh, and wow. So you're a coder. Okay. Because yes. that was my next question. Like, what do you do in the medical? Yes. yes. Okay. I'm a certified medical coder um, at Baylor. Wow. I've been there this year be eight years and I've been wow. in Houston this year would be 11 years. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's a long time. So yeah. what kind of got you into like wanting to go into the medical field like what was was there a pat was there something that just kind of drove you did somebody in your family worked in the medical field or just something that you aspired to do well we have a few of my cousins that are in the medical field but I also just wanted to get in the medical field originally to be a sonographer for doing oh. the heart and I completed the actual courses but when mm -hmm. once I got to Houston things changed and I had to pivot, which was mm -hmm. fine, but I had medical assistant um, skills as well. So right. I started on the back end, the clinical side of um, medical assistant when I first got here. And then I got into the billing and the coding and I felt like that was more my place, my niche was the billing right. and coding. Yeah, but it's 
I originally wanted to be in the medical field because um, my mom has medical issues. Mm. My um, grandfather, grandmother, we have, you know, different right. family medical issues. And I just wanted to be a person that helps people. And that's always good because I know for myself, I, I was a CNA too for a mm. long time <laughs> and I love the medical field. I love medicine and I love, you know, the mind. I think sometimes it does come from things, either someone sick in our family or people mm. in the family who worked in the medical field and we just kind of mm. gleaned from them. So that's yes. good. Well, thank you for your service because coders are definitely needed. We know that very much within the breast cancer community, how much. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So I do see behind you, mm-hmm. it appears, I don't want to assume, but it appears that you're a woman of faith, um, yes. that you're Christian. I see yes. all the scriptures. I love that background. Yes. So, so, um, so basically next, I kind of want to know, cause everybody always asks us how is breast cancer, you know, once you found out, but I want to know what was life like before you got the diagnosis? Um, life was kind of, I had a little bit of hecticness, you know, a little okay. stress, but, and I think that was more job related and mm-hmm. that's mostly it, but I was carefree um, right at the time when I guess I would say my diet right before the diagnosis, mm-hmm. it was technically we was in the um, COVID. We was in okay. the COVID and lockdown. And I think I kind of inverted and I wasn't going out. I was trying to stay mm-hmm. from everything and everybody. And then we started working at home. So everything was home-based. You know, we would eat, me and my my babe would, would right. eat, get movies. He'll go to work, stay here. So it was more of a invertedness. And I could tell mm-hmm. that I started gaining weight. I did have a little depression here and there because I had a few classmates that passed during COVID. Oh, wow. Family members that passed and some of the family members got sick. So it was, it was a depressive time, you know, here and there, but I kind of brushed it off like, oh, well, it's just, you know, it's nothing major, you know, we'll get out of this. And, but I still was going to the doctor. I Mm -hmm. still was going to my doctor's appointments, still getting my mammograms. Everything was, was fine. Everything was beautiful. Right. 2021. That's when. Yeah, that's when it happened. I I went to my annual mammogram, January Mm -hmm. 2021. Um, Everything was clear. The mammogram was great. By October, November ish, Mm -hmm. I felt the lump, and I was thinking, well, you know, I have, you know, family members that had, you know, cysts or nine tumors, nothing major. So I'm like, oh, it's not cancer. We don't, we don't have breast cancer in the family, even though my grandfather passed of prostate cancer. Mm. So, you know, I'm just like, oh, we don't have that. And when I went to my annual um, pap visit, Mm -hmm. that's when I let my GYN then let her know that I felt the lump and when she felt that she said, yes, this is concerning. And she immediately sent me to where I needed to go to get another mammogram. So let me back up a little bit. So when mm-hmm. you, when you were going, when COVID hit 2020, 
Yeah. Were you already in Texas then, or you were still yes. in Atlanta? Okay, yes. so you I've had been moved. Yes, I've been, in, I've been in Texas since 2012. 2012. Okay. I can't remember. All right. So you were already in Texas, Mm -hmm. COVID hits, you're kind of depressed a little bit. And I think some of us kind of did go through that. Um, Mm -hmm. And then you find out this diagnosis Mm -hmm. in 2021. Yes. I found the lump in 2021. Okay. I I got the diagnosis in January of 2022. Oh, and how, if you don't mind me asking, how old were you at that time? I was 45. 45. Okay. I was 45. Yes. And so, so did anyone in your family have genetic testing? Like after your. After no, no one in my okay. family yet has had genetic testing, just me. And of course, you know, with the genetic testing, it came back, no family history. Mm-hmm. But I also, on my father's side of the family, I don't know what medical history is there. So I could have breast cancer on my father's side but not on right. my mother's side and yeah and that and the genetic testing is so because they haven't discovered all the mutations so yes. that's why like my doctor is like okay in the next few years you're gonna have to go back and get tested again because we may have a different panel mm-hmm. so that can be kind of tricky and I think some people because they hear in their family they don't have any type mm-hmm. of cancers mm-hmm. they just assume oh I don't need to take the test or they take the test and it's a negative and they think oh they don't have to ever take it again mm-hmm. like that's a misconception um but at the same time it depends on the person's doctor mm-hmm. so you get the diagnosis Mm-hmm. would you like to explain that time when they called or either you had to go in I don't know what happened in your situation if you want to elaborate feel free I will so at the time in 2021 I was mm-hmm. going to a new GYN and her name is um, we call her Dr. A and I was going to her for fibroids and polyps and all the other things that was going on with me oh, because wow. I started having um, menopausal symptoms and mm. spotting and all all the things that some women we go through right and she immediately when we did the annual exam on um, um new year's eve mm. is when i got my diagnostic mammogram and ultrasound okay. and they sent everything off then they let me know they they didn't let me know, but you know how I could be like, we think we see something, right. let's do a biopsy. So January, I went in for the biopsy, still thinking nothing's there, nothing, you know, something's there, but right. it's, nothing, it's nothing major. And then when they called me in, when Dr. A called me in, she's normally bubbly and we mm-hmm. laughing, joking, and she was like, Miss Baker, mm-hmm. and I knew something was wrong. And I cried, I cried, I cried, I cried. She actually um, was going to call me an Uber or call my my significant other to come pick me mm-hmm. up. But I told her, you know, just give me a second to kind of get myself together. So when I told my significant other, my sister, and, you know, I was crying and crying and crying. And they said, well, what did the doctor actually tell you? And then I told them mm-hmm. and they said, well, we know you heard cancer first, but did you hear her say that you're going to be okay? That uh, you can be chemo? You know, and I said, no, all I heard was cancer, cancer, yeah. cancer. Because all I heard was cancer. Yeah. And they said, okay, we, we're just going to, you know, go ahead, see what, what your options are. She referred me to Methodist Willowbrook. 
And okay. um, from me being in the medical field, I always have been told, you know, you get first consultation, second, con you know, get, mm -hmm. get more than one because you want to make sure you're with the right person. So mm -hmm. being that I had triple negative um, stage two, grade two B, it was spreading rapidly. And that's the right. one thing about triple negative. It affects Black women more common than any other race and is most aggressive. Being that the fat is estrogen not feeding it, progesterone not feeding it, mm -hmm. the HER2 not feeding it, they don't know where it's coming from. Right. So immediately, the first thing would be chemo. So once they sent me to Methodist Willowbrook, was where mm -hmm. I met Dr. Yoga as my oncologist surgeon. She um, gave me, you know, the information and right. then I went to other doctors, but I just felt so comfortable at Methodist Willowbrook. Mm -hmm. They made me feel like Tamika and not just a breast cancer patient. Right. And that's and important. They, yes. Yes. And that is where I have been for my treatment with Dr. Yoga, Dr. Shushman, Dr. Abu Shaheen. And okay. the lovely staff there, I love them. They are just, Aww. yes. And I've seen some awesome. of your pictures, like at your doctor's office, you had like balloons. And I guess <laughs> I was like, I don't know if that was like the last yes, day that or was something. The, the, the balloon picture was the day that I got my pathology report. So I had okay. six months of chemo. Mm -hmm. And um, after the six months of chemo, Right in the middle is when, you know, they decide, well, let you decide whether you want to have a double mastectomy, a lumpectomy, a single mastectomy, or however you want to do it. And so, right. of course, again, I'm like, well, what should I do? And they said, well, we can't make that decision mm -hmm. for you. We can give right. you the information, but you have to make that sound decision on your own. So once I started doing research, I said, okay, I see the numbers. I see mm -hmm. the reoccurrence. You can't, as they say, nothing is, is 100%. So they can't right. say you can get it back and they cannot say you can, they don't know. So I decided to do the double vasectomy. And once I did, before I went in for the double vasectomy, I saw Dr. S for the plastic surgery part. And that's okay. when I figured out once, and it's so ironic that right when I was making my decision is when the FDA came out about the implants causing cancer. Mm -hmm. And then I said, nope, I won't be doing implants. So, <laughs> <laughs> and so I went to him and we talked about all the different transfer fat surgeries. And right. I asked him, was I a, you know, a good candidate for the deep flap? And he said, yes. So once we did the double mastectomy, I got the tissue expanders. And the pictures that you saw with the balloons was yeah. everybody celebrating my pathology from my my okay. own me that it came back clear after everything. Everything. Okay. So I just want to go back a little, well, somewhat from okay. the beginning. So you had triple negative, mm -hmm. um, which definitely I know that it can hit, it can, anyone can get diagnosed with it. But like you yeah. stated, a lot of people do not know that black women are sometimes diagnosed at an alarming rate and the death rate for us is alarming with triple negative. Yes. Um, and we are also usually diagnosed early with it if there's mm -hmm. early detection. 
Yeah. Um, but when we're diagnosed early with it, usually we're already at a higher stage. Yeah. And I think that's the part that some people do not know and yeah. they need to be aware of because triple negative, like you say, is it can be um, very severe. Yes. And, and very aggressive and very, very aggressive. Right. Once. Yes. And I, I know some women who are Caucasian and mm-hmm. African-American women who um, one lady I know now she's fighting it and she's now stage four and she's 36 years old and she's Caucasian. Mm-hmm. Um, but also statistically, I want to put that out there statistically mm-hmm. in the African-American community with women, it is killing us at alarming rate. Yes. And um, so it's a it's a miracle yes you know you found it that found that lump because it could have you could have not found it because you didn't see have anything what was it prior to that that was about it wasn't a maybe over six months right so i kind of started looking back you know how you look back on what if or what Mm -hmm. what and i started thinking well once i started doing research and seeing that stage zero or stage one and I said maybe I was at stage zero or stage one and it was so small they couldn't see it but that's because I had dense breasts I was about to ask you yeah which is another factor when it comes Mm -hmm. to African-American women and breast cancer we have dense breasts and being that because my breasts were small I never did breast self exams mm-hmm. I'm a firm believer now that do yeah, you gotta do, do them it yeah. on the first, do yep. it on the first. <laughs> whether you have breast tissue yeah. or not we still have yes. some remaining yeah definitely do it on the first right yeah and that was a misconception that I'm thinking oh my breast is small I won't get cancer I won't mm-hmm. it's nothing going to be that I literally found my tumor just putting on a bra literally right Mm-hmm. And so with dense tissue, of course, there again, anyone can have dense tissue. They have found more African-American women have it more mm-hmm. um, or a higher, what is it? Because it's like different categories. We're yes. a little bit higher as far as density, a lot yes. of us that are African-American. Mm-hmm. Um, so once again, that's a statistical fact. I don't want anyone to think that, oh, well, you're <laughs> just saying black or just saying white. No, it's not. Breast cancer don't care what race you are. <laughs> right. Like, that, 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 that is, they don't care what race it or does gender. Not care. Nothing. Yes. Right. Or gender. Yes. Exactly. Or That's age. the other thing. Or age. And age. Mm-hmm. That is across the board. But as Tamika said, there are some statistics out there that are alarming for African-American, the Latina community, and also even um, some Asians. Yes. So it. Yeah. So they're still doing a lot of research on that. So I'm thankful that you found that lump in time, um, that it wasn't, you know, a higher stage. So when, so I'm kind of curious, because I I heard you (laughs) say that your loved ones asked you, okay, well, did did they say anything? Like, are you going to make it, you know, because, and that's so true, because when you Mm -hmm. hear that, when you just hear it was carcinoma for me. When they said carcinoma, I'm like, oh, I didn't hear no ductal. I didn't hear no in situ. I didn't hear no stage zero. I heard carcinoma equals cancer. Yeah. So, um, and it it kind of for me, and I, it appears that the same thing happened to you. Like you kind of went deaf to everything mm-hmm. else, and exactly. your mind kind of goes, oh my god, what? How, what? Where did your mind initially? I know mine went to, oh my god, how long do I have? Um. I don't know if your mind went there or how. Yeah, it, it, 
it didn't go to how long I had. It mm-hmm. went to, okay, I'm stage two, mm-hmm. two B. So is right. it going into three? You know, they saw um, um, swelling in my lymph nodes. I'm like, is it in my lymph nodes? You know, right. I'm just freaking out. And all I could think of was my sons. Mm-hmm. You know, those, those, those three, that, that's all I was thinking of is, they do not need to hear this. They do not need to mm-hmm. have this stress, you know, on their lives because that's a lot on your right. kids. It's a lot right. on the family as a whole, but on your children, it's a whole lot to process, to understand. So I didn't even tell them initially off the bat. I waited until I got all the information as far as the chemo, what's my mm-hmm. options, made sure I gave them everything that they needed to understand that I was going to be okay. And that's so wise because mm-hmm. I think, um, God, that's so wise. Cause my daughter was home when it happened to me and I just freaked out and it yeah. messed her up. Cause she had never seen me that upset before. Right. And I think for me, when I'm saying, how long do I have to live? Just like with you, mm-hmm. it's like, how long do I have to live? But truthfully, it's more like to be with my children and to right. be with my family, right. you know? And I think, it's just a lot to hear. It's a lot to digest. Yes. And even if you're possibly expecting it or not expecting it, um, it's still just very shocking to actually yes. hear that that's what you have. Yes. So you said that you did, you didn't do the implant because of the study. So yes. what she's talking about is that there was a study. Um, so we're going to have a guest come on this <laughs> month also. Uh-huh. I'll get into another time, but um, right. I'm so excited about it because she's going to talk about breast implant um, and breast implant illness and stuff. And so what happened, uh, what Tamika is um, speaking of is that there was a breast, breast implants do not necessarily give you cancer, but there was a particular kind that was rough on the outside. It had like a rough texture to it. And I can't Mm -hmm. remember the exact name of it, but I can definitely, after the podcast, put on Mm -hmm. Facebook, some Mm -hmm. information for people, but like Tamika stated, it was giving people that particular implant was giving people, um, yeah, cancer. Yeah. And I, I yeah. So, and, <laughs> and it's a personal decision about implants and stuff. And so you got the deep flap. Yes. Now explain the deep flap for people out there who may not know what deep flap is. Cause you got trans fat, you got flap, we got deep flap. We got so many different things mm-hmm. out there. It's but, different flaps. Yeah. Yes. So explain that a little bit, like your, your experience with it. Okay. So with the deep flap, um, some people will look at it as, oh, you're getting the tummy tuck, your body going right. to be snatched. No, this is not <laughs> a, a friendly, oh, I just want to be snatched. This breast cancer affected me. And these are the options that I have to right. make me feel whole, poss- not whole, but just feel better about myself and the situation. Mm-hmm. So the deep flap surgery is when they basically cut in your abdomen. They remove the fat, your veins, the arteries, and they rebuild you a new set of breasts. That's what the deep flap technically is. And they sew you back up and it's a nice little scar at the bottom from hip to hip. And then, you know, they just transfer everything up to your breasts. Um, so far, my experience has been actually good. Oh, I've been, okay. been 
doing exactly what my doctor said. <laughs> <laughs> How long was your surgery? Because I know some people's surgeries are like extremely long with the deep flap. Mine was 13 hours. I was about to say 14 yeah. hours. I heard. Yeah. yeah. My doctor is a perfectionist and I love him for it. <laughs> <laughs> so he took his time to make sure okay. everything was placed correctly. And his nurse, um, Nurse Meredith, she always give her patients like a little binder. Uh-huh. And it's, it's called, it's, I call it the Bible. This is the this yeah. is the Bible they give you. So abide by the Bible. If you abide right. by the Bible, you will be just <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I call mine the breast cancer Bible. Like it's just, it's everything in that everything Bible. And I probably got it somewhere around here near me. Um, right. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. It has my... Yes my pathology reports, mm-hmm. everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and you had, so they basically took the tissue from your abdomen mm-hmm. because once again, for those who are listening, it depends mm-hmm. on where you have the most tissue from what that I'm told. Yeah. That is correct. Right. Because you can, you can do um, the, I would say the transfer of the fat from your right. stomach, your thighs, your back. I think they have one. You make it do it from your butt. I'm not for sure. Yeah, I'm not but sure about the butt, but I know the back area for yes, sure. Yes, the back yeah. and the thighs and the stomach. Mm-hmm. And so I was surprisingly never this big before in my life. But before I started chemo, I was 180 pounds. Okay. And a lot of people can't believe that, but that's exactly what this scale said. 100. <laughs> that's exactly what it said. <laughs> yeah. And so by the time I did the double mastectomy, uh-huh. um, you know, dealing with the chemo and eat, di- eating differently, right? I ended up losing and I got down to about 165 by the okay. time I did the, the deep flap. Well, by the time I did the double mastectomy, I was 168. Mm-hmm. By the time I did the deep flap, I was 165, but I still had enough, you know, to transfer because right. I didn't want to be too big and overwhelming, mm-hmm. but I did want enough and a little bit more than what I had before. So with the deep flap, I know they move prominent, you know, all the tissue from, look, you're up here for triple negative and I'm talking about <laughs> deep flap, but, but a lot of people don't have that. It's it's all, all, it all comes together. It's yeah, all it together does. with the breast cancer. Yes. So with the deep flap, when they move the tissue up, did they also do any fat grafting? And fat grafting, guys, is when they take like liposuction you and they kind of fill you in a little bit where like, say, for instance, if you have an implant, they'll fill you in to make sure you have their, it's not like a rippling or you can see anything. I'm assuming, I, I don't know what deep flap, it, I, I don't think they would have to considering they're moving tissue or did they? Well, that's what I will be, I will, I'm actually scheduled for a surgery on Monday. And mm-hmm. that is what I'm getting the fat grafting because, oh. uh, like I said, my doctor is a perfectionist. And before he could say it, I noticed it that my left breast was a tad bit bigger than the right. So when we did okay. the post op, he took me to the mirror and he said, Do you see anything? I said, No, do you see anything? Because I knew what I saw. Right. <laughs> that was smart. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and he said, Yes. And that's when he told me, He said, He see where. Once they um, take off, it's called the dog ears. Yeah. So when they close you up, it's like on the sides um, where your love handles would be. It's a little fat that looks like it flaps a little. That's why mm-hmm. they call it the dog ears. So he's going to cut those off. Mm-hmm. 
-hmm. And then he's going to, like you said, do a little lipo and add more to my right breast. So I have dog ears, but they're up <laughs> near the sides underneath my armpits. Oh, okay. Okay. So when you said dog ears, I was like, wait a minute. Are we talking, you know, because it's, it's the, the same bottom, thing. but I guess, yeah, I guess it, the way they close you up. The, the way they close right. you up. Right. Yeah. Because they close you up on the sides. So everybody okay. don't get dog ears. Majority of the people do, because my question was, you know, when you're in the Facebook groups and the right. Instagram groups, you see people, you know, going through phase one, two, three, mm -hmm. four, five, 20. And you're yeah. asking yourself, oh my God, how many surgeries do I have to do? But luckily, and thank God, I only have to do this one because I, like I said, I literally been sticking by the book. I've been eating right. better. I've been exercising. I've been doing exactly what I'm supposed to do. Stomach still flat. Right. Still a little, you know, where they're going to take the fat out. Those would technically be my love handles. Right. That they're taking off to add um, onto my chest. Wow. Okay. That's the first time I've ever heard um, someone refer to their abdomen area having dog ears. So you yes. taught me something tonight. Oh, <laughs> yes. I've definitely heard it in size because I hate mine. And my doctor yes. is like, well, we can fix that. And I'm like, I don't know if I want to go back under again. So right, right. yeah, I just, I don't know. It's such a, it's, it's right. a there's awesome. some people who go it's, all the time and I don't knock it, you know, because yeah. you want you want to look how you want to look, but I right. don't like being put under. I guess I have control issues, but I just, it is not fun for me being put right. under. And um, yeah, so. I wow. definitely understand. Yeah, because if I would have just got the dog ears removed, mm -hmm. then it would have been an uh, outpatient in office procedure. But because you're doing oh. the fat grafting, they do have to put you under for the fat grafting because it's the okay. liposuction. Right, okay. Yeah. And yeah. see, I think for mine, she would have put me under because I have some scar tissue situations going on. Gotcha. So yeah. Wow. That is, yeah, you taught me something new. Okay. <laughs> uh, so once you found out about having breast cancer, especially having triple negative, how was life like for you during, like during this process of going to the doctors and, you know, back and forth to chemo and you had to go through radiation too, correct? No, no radiation. Oh, you did not. Oh, okay. No, no so yeah, so explain that because I haven't found too many people who haven't done that part. So yeah, explain what your treatment plan was as far as the chemo and stuff and how long. So my chemo was six months. And by the, I guess you would say the third, I guess it will be right around the third session. Is because okay. they they was monitoring me. I had to go get multiple ultrasounds to check to see if the chemo was working, if it was shrinking the tumor, because my tumor was oh. actually golf. It was a golf ball. That's oh, it was that large. Yes, and that's why okay. they did opt to do the surgery first. Because a lot of people, when you find it earlier, they'll do mm -hmm. the surgery first, and then if it's you know cancerous by the pathology report, right. then you would do chemo. But in my case because it was so big and it was so close to my my uh, lymph node, it, it didn't go into it, but it was that oh, close. Wow. That's why I had to do the chemo. So by the, I want to say the third session is when I did my first ultrasound and they started seeing that it was shrinking. And okay. by the time I finished my chemo, my chemo was from 
February the 28th to mm-hmm. August 12th. By the time I finished my chemo, they couldn't even see it at all. They couldn't How even often see. do you go back now for like- um, For scans? For, yeah, do you go back for scans or anything? Yes, yes. I still go back for scans for the um, CAT scans. Oops, I still do the, the MRI CAT scans. <laughs> sorry, I got a feedback. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, because I am trying. If you can hear me both. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> okay. I um still go back and do um the CAT scans. Okay. To make sure that I'm still cancer free. So so far I've had two since mm-hmm. my mastectomy. So I'm supposed to go every three months. And oh. then it's going to be every six months. And then it's going to go, you know, it's the longer it goes out, the longer it'll be. But every three months, they're going to scan me, which as we know, the scanxiety of it yeah. all. Yeah. 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 And it's, it's like the nerves again, every time, you know, it's time to do a scan. My, I get nervous. I get, mm-hmm. but I still have the faith, you know, that right. God got me. But it's still just being human. Mm-hmm. You still in your mind, Lord, please don't let nothing be, you know, on the scan. Please don't let them see nothing. I even asked the doctor um, after the first one, please do not put it in my chart. Because if you put it in oh. my chart, I'm going to look at it and I'm going to try to diagnose everything that's <laughs> on there. And that's what yeah. happened with my first yep. one. Yeah, I started looking and I seen something that said you had spots here and you had spots. And I'm like, wait a minute, what are the spots? What are, and I got freaked out. And mm-hmm. he was like, no, where you have your spots that's coming and they're small. But the beautiful part of it is as well, as we know, chemo kills everything. I have no more fibroids. Oh, no really? Fibroids. It killed all of it. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So with the chemo, um, so you go, so you go back every three months. Three months for the scan. Is that because you're triple negative? Yes, because it's more likely in some t- statistics when you have triple negative, that window of two to five years, it mm-hmm. can come back. Right. Well, yeah, yeah that's unfortunately because yeah. someone was asking me like, what's survival? And I was like, honestly, it's it's messed up how they do the statistics. But yeah, <laughs> all in a general pool of five. Right. Um, yes. So I know though, with your, you know, the diagnosis you had is definitely, um, you know, something that they definitely probably want to keep track of. Now, I was just curious because you've had a double mastectomy, mm-hmm. correct? Yes, and correct. a lot of times when you get a double mastectomy. But I want to say, I guess this depends on diagnosis. They, I know you all get scans like far as triple negative and stuff, but I didn't realize it was that often. For some of us, when we get a double mastectomy, we get no more scans. Oh, wow. At all. wow. Um, and it's not just because I'm DCIS stage zero. There's some other mm. friends of mine who had different stages that were invasive and mm. they don't either. We mm. just have to if we find something that's alarming. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why I was talking about like the codes are very important and significant mm-hmm. depending on mm-hmm. how your doctor put the code in for whatever yes. to see if you can get a scan or ultrasound. 
But so that three, every three months, will that be forever or will after a year, it'll go to six and then a year, yes. it'll go to a year, yeah, okay. after a year or a year, year and a half, it goes to six. And then okay. it, it, it spans out the longer I go out for, you know, survivorship. So far as your overall treatment plan, though, it will be every year, though, once you get to a certain point, they will have it once a year for the rest of your life. Yes. Yes. Okay. Because, you know, we can't, you know, with no more mammograms, no right. more ultrasounds. So the only other way they can test to see if I haven't been, I did hear that, um, which I'm still learning different things uh -huh. since I've been um, going to different groups and meetings about blood tests. Um, I don't remember what the test name uh, is. Yeah. And see if you have the margins for you know, breast cancer. Right. So, but other than that, the only thing they can do is CAT scans. And that way mm -hmm. it actually goes over your whole body because right. you may, sometimes you may get a secondary cancer and it may not come back in your chest walls. It may come in your kidneys or mm -hmm. your head or your back or your skin or your bones. So that's why they do a whole CAT scan of your whole body to make sure everything is, is clear. So are they doing CAT scans on you or PET scans? Is it PET? It's probably PET. I'm thinking. Yeah, I, think I think it's CAT. Because I think the PET goes all the way over. Like across your whole body. It's um, the chest and the abdomen is what they normally. So oh, so they just do here. That's CAT scan. Yeah, it's a CAT scan. Because the PET scan goes over. It's like, from the head ooh, to the right. Yeah, That's all the way over. Is. Yeah. So the CAT scan is normally from here to here. For you. Okay. So yes. that's still good, though. I mean, even though it's that scan anxiety, at least you know, well, at least in a year or three months or six months, wherever you are, that mm -hmm. I do get this scan to make sure mm -hmm. nothing has come back. Yes. Um, I think that's the unnerving part for some of us out here <laughs> that we don't. We it's pretty bad if they give it yeah. like they they may think I, it's pretty bad if they right like, yeah it's it's so messed up. I really want to fight against that because um it's just not fair. Uh, not. I don't think um but I know it's money and everything else involved with it. Yeah, because we should be able to it, it's a lot of things that I'm learning um about disparities and just cancer as a whole of the different mm -hmm. laws and the different medical things that a lot of it is not fair it, by, right. with them dropping the age to 40. Now, me personally, I thought it was already 40 because I started early with. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah, but I think it should be the age should be lower than 40 because we have so many, so many women that are getting across the board, any race that's getting it earlier and earlier, even the yep. 20s. Yep. And that's that's so alarming, you know. It should that it should be more of a criteria of things that you meet instead of your age, right? Especially mm -hmm. if it's genetics in the family, I think mm -hmm. that they can go lower than that. Mm -hmm. um, I know the reason why they ended up even doing a mammogram in my twenties was because I had they thought I had cervical cancer at one point, mm -hmm. and so mm -hmm. that kind of I guess alarmed them. Mm -hmm. But then we didn't know any of my mom's history and my dad's history. I didn't know. Mm -hmm. pretty much um if they had anything so yeah. it's just like you said there's 20 year olds now I have seen cases of 19 year olds mm -hmm. a few cases of 19 year olds mm -hmm. and it's heart 
it just breaks my heart because it's like, no. you know, a lot of times they have to, they have to get a hysterectomy if they have a certain gene, you know, well, they don't have to, but a lot of them do if they mm-hmm. have a particular gene mutation. Mm-hmm. So it's just so sad. And then, you know, then there's the other factor of ageism mm-hmm. um, where if you're older, sometimes they don't even want to do a mammogram on you after a particular exactly. age. Exactly. And that's sad. Or they'll try to make your treatment plan not they don't offer you as much sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not everybody, but there's some doctors that are like that. So it's just, it's alarming. It's alarming yes. and it's heartbreaking. Yes. Uh, so in your journey, I know that you, you shared a lot. So was there anything, any takeaways from like how this affected you overall? Like how is life now after you've gone through everything, which you're still going through because you're going through another surgery um, and you're still getting scans and stuff. But, and I think that's sometimes a misconception of people because it's like, oh, well, you've already gotten chemo and radiation and Mm -hmm. you're on tamoxifen, you're healed now. And it's like, uh, pump the brakes because, you know, Yes, I'm believing it's not coming back. However, these are some of the things I have to do. So the treatment plan continues because exactly. we always have to go to the doctor. And there's yeah. always, I think, that little lurking, um, mm-hmm. like you said, that comes with the scan anxiety and different things like that to make us think, what if you if you bu- if you bump your arm and there's a bruise, but you forgot you bumped your arm? Like, what is that? Like <laughs> you're a growth. Yes. Um, itching anything it can just really be alarming so with everything that you've gone through Mm -hmm. um just give us like what did what were your takeaways from going through what you've gone through thus far and how did it affect your now like how are you now and what did you learn from this whole experience um my faith in God got stronger okay um I'm learning, still learning, but mm-hmm. my patience is a little bit better than what it used to be. Oh, wow. Because I have to be patient. I'm, I noticed with chemo, you had to be patient on letting everything just process through your body. And mm-hmm. my mom was a good person to, even though she never had cancer, she just was a good person to talk to about, you know, having faith. Um, being patient, um, just just letting it, let the process work itself and you'll be fine. Yes, you're going to have bad days and trust me, you're going to have some bad uh-huh. days, but it's another side of ca- cancer. It's another side of going through what you're going through and it only makes you stronger. We have weak moments. We, yeah. We're human. But it does make you stronger. It bonded my family more. Um, It bonded me with my sons more, my mom. It bonded me with my relationship with my significant other. Mm -hmm. These moments like this is called life moments. And you either, it's not about winning or losing, it's about learning. Mm. And that's, that's what I, I've learned most is about every day you're learning something and mm-hmm. take in account of everything you learn, whether it's something, whether it's something from something good or something bad, mm-hmm. you're going to learn something. So your biggest 
you've learned through this, obviously, is giving you more faith. Well, it's increased your faith, not gain. It's, it's increased your faith. Was there anything else that you want to share that you learned through this process? No. Just don't be afraid to talk to other people. Don't be afraid to tell your story. Don't be afraid to talk about it. Um, I literally, like I said, was off social media for two, maybe three years because uh -huh. of COVID. And then once I started learning different things and I got back on social media and I started learning more and I started talking with people and, you know, just networking right. with other people that is breast cancer survivors or breast cancer patients, it's easy to be quiet. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's very hard to speak your truth and it's very hard to speak, but just do that. Just speak, just, just be honest with your truth because we all have something that can be offered to anyone. You don't know, you never know who's watching you or what's, what they could be going through by you telling your story that it could help them. Wow, that's powerful. And you do, you tell your story. So speaking of telling our stories, so what are some of the things now, Tamika Baker now, breast cancer survivor, thriver, whatever you want to add to it, <laughs> but who are you now? Like, what are you doing now that through the result of everything that you've gone through? I heard you say you, your, your faith has increased, that you're pa more patient now, um, which that's that's something. Um, <laughs> Look, I'm still working on it. No, Look. I mean, no, I'm, I'm yeah, envious of that because Lord knows uh, it seemed like my patience yeah. got a little lower because it's like yeah. I'm, I'm real sensitive about time now. Right. I have to think right. about time, so I have to calm yeah. myself down. But um, so what are you doing now? Because I heard you say that now you're speaking more. You went through a depressive moment with COVID and you had to then go straight into battling triple negative breast cancer, but now who is Tamika? So Tamika is now an advocate. Tamika is now in the community and spreading my word and cheer and knowledge and encouragement and being, you know, there for other people so that they don't have to go through this alone. Because even though sometimes you have family and friends to talk to, right. I feel like nobody really understand what you're going through, but another breastfeed, but another person going through cancer. They, they mm -hmm. know the struggles. They know the, the ups and the downs and the ins and the outs, the financial part, the family right. part, the everything. So that's what I'm doing now. I actually, during my um, time of recovering from my double vasectomy, mm -hmm. I decided I was getting visions about what can I do. So I decided to start doing pop-up breastfeed beauty bar. And okay. how it came about is that I know that all of us in the cancer realm, especially breast cancer patients, mm -hmm. and especially women, even though it affects men as well, we lose our hair, we lose our you know, our um, skin may change or we lose our eyelashes and, or your nails may fall off or they become black. And right. 
those different effects of chemo and radiation. So that's when I started thinking about a beauty bar to where a breast cancer patient can just feel beautiful for one day. Aww. If it's just one day that they could they could just set aside, you know, I have cancer and just feel beautiful about themselves just for one day. So I did my first event in okay. Atlanta March, in March because mm-hmm. that was triple negative breast cancer month as well as my birthday month. So I did it in March. It actually went well out at uh, Opulence Hair Studio in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And we hosted, we was going to host 10 women, but it ended up being seven. So we ended up having, they did um, hair, hair care, um, makeup, photography. We had gifts, um, prizes, food. We also had a speaker, um, Dr. Diamond White, to come out and talk about mental health um, on a spiritual and a mental, you know, right. a spiritual and a mental level of how you deal with breast cancer with regular, just everyday life. Right. And it was it was very powerful, very moving. My kids loved it. My sisters loved it. My niece, because I only uh-huh. have one niece. I don't uh-huh. have any girls. So she's like my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> so she loved it. And it was not a dry eye in the wow. room. And um, I had one person that came from um, Africa. She hadn't had her hair professionally done. I think uh-huh. she said within two years. And now every week she goes back to opulence after that event and wow. every week. So now I'm having one in Houston. It's okay. going to be August the 13th from noon to six. And I have partnered with Ogley Beauty School in Willowbrook, Ogle Beauty School. Mm-hmm. And we're going to uh, invite the ladies out. We're working on everything right now to finalize everything. I should have the fly route. Give me about another week. <laughs> I got to recover from the surgery. surgery. Yeah, you do. Yep. Yes, yes. But we um, definitely are going to host the ladies here. We're going to um, add on about three more speakers. Okay. And we're going to um, do the same thing. And that's that's the goal. The main goal is hopefully to be nationwide in different cities doing pop-ups for all the breasties. That is awesome. That's such a unique idea like I've, I've seen it locally mm-hmm. but they don't really move beyond their local area which mm-hmm. sometimes you know due to money and finances mm-hmm. and stuff but I love the fact that you're linking up and you're networking and you're getting it out there so that maybe you can do well you will do not maybe but that yes. you will do it in other states yes. and I think that is phenomenal absolutely yes. phenomenal so yes. congratulations and thank you because you're like just passing all that hope out <laughs> to the world yeah thank you. Thank and you, you make yes. people feel good because yes. like you said there's so many things and even if a person doesn't go through chemo or radiation there's still so many things where our body just the biopsy can mess yes. your skin up and exactly it's just so much that we go through and to give someone a glimpse of hope mm-hmm. in that moment of just sitting there, having their hair done, um, listening to speakers and getting a gift, eating mm-hmm. and fellowshipping with one another. 
that's gone through your journey or similar to, because we all have different stories, but just mm-hmm. being in that environment, that mm-hmm. gives someone hope, mm-hmm. hope that they may not have before they walk through that door. So I think that's powerful. Thank and you. hopefully people out there listening, <laughs> anyone who want to help her out, you know, <laughs> give her. So speaking of which, where can people find you? Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, people can find me on Facebook as Pink Brissy Sister Presents. And then they also can follow me on Instagram and TikTok under just Pink Brissy Sister. I'm also making... Um, in the process of making Pink Breasty Sister Presents a nonprofit. And that way we're going to be doing not only the pop-up beauty bars, we're going to do, you know, different events where you can just have a day where you're not thinking about cancer. Right. And you can just think about fellowshipping, networking, bonding, because that's right. also one of the things that I liked it about my event. I had a story time. So each person had Mm. their own breast cancer journey, their own stage, their own phase. And we all learned from each other, from each other's experience and the the resources and the network. And we we learned all of that together. Yeah, because even though breast cancer happened Mm -hmm. and it is a part of our story and our life, it doesn't define us. And there's life after. After. Mm -hmm. Um, We are different, I would say. Um, in different ways, but there is still life after. And giving that, as you know, I asked you for a song (laughs) and I said, what song would you like to go with your reel? Because that's what I like for guests to do. Give me a song. Give me a song that kind of resembles like what you've gone through or just something that's encouraging to you. So you gave me Lettucey Pieces of Me, correct? Did I say I do that right? Okay. That's correct. With that being said, what is the story behind this song? The story behind this song is that I have so many different pieces of my life that a lot of people don't know about, not even my own family. Um, not only am I a breast cancer survivor, a lot of people are going to find out some things about me today. Um, <laughs> <I'm> a, <laughs> I, um, I've, had, I've attempted suicide before. Um, I've been depressed before. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been emotionally and I guess abused before. So these things are different pieces of mm-hmm. my life that has molded me to the person that I am today. Not mm-hmm. only am I a mother, I'm a sister, I'm an aunt, I'm a friend, I'm a co-worker, I'm a you know, advocate, um, different different parts of me. And those are the different pieces that Mm -hmm. bonds me to the person that I am. I love it. Oh my God. (laughs) Make me cry. Uh, (laughs) So I always say, leave us with a word, a word that can help another brother, sister, whomever's listening, get through their scars. How, what word describes the scars you've been through, the scars you have, and well, excuse me, the wounds you've been through, the scars that you have, um, what's one word that you can give someone else to heal? Oh, I can't hear you. Warrior. Warrior. Okay. Yeah. Um, God, it's so many words. Um, <laughs> just have faith. 
I think faith is, is my main thing that has really got me through a lot of things. I've been through a lot over, mm-hmm. let's see, I'm 47. I've been through a lot for over 20, 25 years. Wow. And like I said, a lot of people don't know my real story, my true story, other things other than breast mm-hmm. cancer. But what's gotten me through is faith. I moved here on faith mm-hmm. without with without any job. A lot of people didn't know that. I moved here without oh, wow. a job. And but I moved on faith. I didn't move right. on fear. And even with what I, what I'm doing now, I'm moving on faith and not fear. Because mm. that's that's what I know that's gonna carry me through. And he he's never failed me yet. I might fall a little, I might tumble a little, but he always strain me back up that's right push me along and that's what makes you the warrior you are today your faith so I like to leave you with the word and that is hope when I hear you speak when I hear what you do for women and what you've gone through you moving that was a faith move yeah but it also took hope to get you where you were as well so when I look at you hear your story I think of hope. So I want you to continue to be hopeful with everything that God has promised you, with everything that God has even promised you for other people. Continue to be hopeful, continue to be faithful, continue to pursue everything that God's called you to, because I promise you, continue to hold strong to his word, continue to hold strong to your faith. He will see you through everything. And you already know this, but I just want to let you know to continue to have hope, continue to spread hope and continue to have on blinders when it comes to the things of God that he's called you to do because so many distractions can come but keep that tunnel vision keep that tunnel vision on him and he will provide everything for you yes amen thank you sister thank you you're welcome you're welcome you're welcome (laughs) thank you so much for coming tonight I really appreciate this was so good and so Everyone, once again, she told you where she, you can find her. If you want to, Tamika, after this is over, you can go on Facebook and put it in the comments where to find you. Okay. Um, got some amens in the chat and <laughs> from people on Facebook, my niece. And I just, I thank you again. And I thank everyone who's watching. If you have questions for her, like I stated, she will have her information down there. And I will see you all before the month is out because we have another guest this month. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you and have a good night. Thank you again. And you're welcome. Oh, thanks. (laughs) Bye. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to Our Scars Speak. And we hope you can join us again real soon. Meanwhile, remember that our mental and physical scars speak a story that can help heal the wounds of another.